Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, welcome to Single Tracks Podcast. This is our second episode. Today we've got three stories for you, including a review of the Gorilla Gravity mountain bike. It's a brand a lot of people maybe are not familiar with. Uh, we've also got a story about a stolen bucksaw uh, mountain bike and also a test ride review from Greg. He rode Yeti's brand new SB4.5C out of Vail uh, a couple weekends ago, so we'll have his review for you. So first I'm going to start off with Michael Paul's review of Gorilla Gravity. It's a mountain bike called the Mega Trail. Situated just a stone's throw away from Denver's Mile High Stadium sits an unassuming shop cranking out some of the best mountain bikes in the business. And chances are most riders have never heard of them. Gorilla Gravity. After pioneering a largely successful downhill bike with the Colorado crowd, the GGDH Gorilla Gravity tapped into the Enduro movement with a unique offering dubbed the Mega Trail. There isn't another bike quite like this on the market. For starters, this American-made wonder bike was designed to be the one-quiver shredder for aggressive riders that can handle the long, lung-crushing climbs in the Colorado Rockies, then rip down them with the character of a downhill bike. The guys that GG made no compromises to cultivate this aluminum rig as the ultimate backcountry machine. That sounds like a lot of hype and hyperbole, but the fact is, this bike may have no equal when you factor in cost, quality, capability, and overall cool factor. Carefully handcrafted using durable, high-quality, heat-treated aluminum, the superior welds buttress every angle of the frame set to withstand almost anything you can throw at it. With a frame plus shock at over 7 pounds, the Mega Trail wasn't designed to win races uphill, but this bike is no beast. My test bike, with burly components to handle the whole mountain came in at a respectable 31 pounds. A few upgrades could easily put this bike in the 28 pound territory. If how much a frame weighs is your top priority, then this bike probably isn't for you. Few other bikes in the Enduro Trail all-mountain category can hang with the Mega Trail, however, which was also designed with simplicity, versatility, and durability in mind. This frame was designed to be relevant years down the road if you dig this kind of riding. The most obvious and noteworthy feature that sets the Mega Trail apart is its adjustable geometry. Designed around the Cane Creek DB Air, the two bolts connecting the shock to the frame can be repositioned on the trail in seconds to reconfigure the bike into four distinct personalities. Trail mode, gravity mode, super trail mode, i.e. flannel mode, and super gravity mode. When these bolts are moved, several things happen. The bottom bracket height changes. The suspension changes by 10 millimeters. The head and seat angles change. Ultimately, these modes have been optimized to alter the leverage curve for the entire suspension to transform the Mega Trail from a pedal bike to an all-out ripper. Coupled with an efficient single pivot pedaling platform, it dishes out mega traction too, with excellent mid-stroke support as it crawls its way uphill in search of the next descent to slay. My test bike build features a frame optimized for 27.5 wheels, has the MRP stage fork 170 millimeters. It's got a Cane Creek DB Air 160 millimeters, which can be configured to 150 millimeters in trail mode. The drivetrain includes a race face turbine cranks with 32 tooth cinch chainring. It's got a SRAM X1 shifter, cassette, and rear derailleur. Custom red spank Uzi rims laced to DT Swiss 350 hubs. RockShox reverb dropper post. SRAM guide R 
bar brakes, race face atlas stem, race face bars and grips, a WTB Volt saddle, Schwalbe Magic Mary 2.35s in the front, and a Maxxis High Roller 2 2.3 in the rear. The MSRP for the race build is $5,495, and while Similar, it differs slightly from the build I tested. The race version comes stock with hand-built DT Swiss 350 hubs and a SRAM X01 drivetrain. The frame-only option retails for $1925 and the more affordable trail build hits the cash register at $3,995. Sizing and geometry seem to be spot on for riders who prefer long top tubes, medium reach, short stems, and wider bars. I've already spent a few weeks riding this bike with some hard trails underneath the tires. No bike is perfect for every ride, but so far I'm very impressed with what the guys at Gorilla Gravity have come up with. The Mega Trail is amazing, but it's not for every rider. It's designed for those who like to ride on the ragged edge and push the bike and themselves to their limits. It seems to reward speed and is still capable of monster trucking over slow, chunky terrain. Look for my final review in the coming weeks. Check out more details regarding this bike spec below, then configure your own Mega Trail on Gorilla Gravity's website. Be sure to check out the article on single tracks as well for a ton of great photos of the bike that Michael's testing. Next up we have a story from Walter Ryan called A Tale of a Stolen Bucksaw. Hey, this is Chris. Are you awake? The text was from six in the morning. Early morning texts like that are never good. Yes, why? I replied. Someone stole my bucksaw last night. I climbed out of bed so I wouldn't disturb my wife and went to the next room to call Chris. He answered immediately. They ripped it right off my rack. His voice was tired and strained. There was a hint of anger, but mostly just a burden. His voice said, I just don't want to deal with this right now. Not ever. What a bunch of BS. I knew what he was experiencing. About a year ago, we had a salsa bear grease stolen from our retail store in St. Croix Falls. They broke in at night and took it along with some other small items. With a theft like this, there are consequences beyond the immediate financial burden. For weeks, our employees felt creepy in the store, like our sanctuary had somehow become unsafe. Where were you, I asked? At a friend's house by South Middle School. This was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, in one of the supposedly best neighborhoods in the city. I didn't ask him if he had it locked up. The question is irrelevant. People aren't allowed to take things from you. If a friend ever tells you that their bike got stolen, don't ask if it was locked up. If a friend gets his car stolen, you don't ask if the doors were locked now, do you? Chris is a good man. He's a good father, hard worker, and organizer of the Skull and Bones Gravel Challenge. The Skull and Bones is a gravel century ride, and Chris puts it on at considerable expense to himself. I see him fret about this ride year-round. He's always worried about rider safety and the overall experience. He'd call me with questions, and he even took this whole week off to prepare for the event. Just to be nice, I put an ad for the event in the mailer we send out for our fat bike race. Chris was psyched. The cops have been pretty cool, Chris said, a little life returning to his voice. They take it seriously around here. I was out playing Dog the Bounty Hunter, and I kept seeing the patrolman I talked to out there looking as well. He even gave me his private number in case I find anything. At least that was nice. You already feel powerless when somebody steals from you. That feeling is compounded exponentially when the authorities hear the word bicycle and act dismissive. If you said that somebody stole $3,999, they'd probably take it seriously. But the word bicycle makes eyes gloss over. I told the police, Chris continued, that I understood they'd probably never find it. The cop replied, you'd be surprised. I hear the life return to his voice when he said that. We set about a plan. The best way to deal with a sense of powerlessness is through positive action. Chris went around to every pawn shop in the city and let them know the situation. I got the bike's serial number. 
Then we did the social media campaign. The members of Corba got all fired up about being on the lookout. Call the cops, people, we said. We all want the bike back, but physical confrontations are not worth the risk. We can live with a stolen bike. Don't allow a bad situation to become worse. The bicycle hasn't turned up yet, but who knows? It may yet appear on Craigslist or in a pawn shop. The worst thought is that the guy just took the bike on a 20-minute joyride, only to throw it in the river, although fat bikes do float. What a waste that would be. In private, I talked with other friends about taking up a collection for Chris, but he shot down the idea. I'm not asking for anything, he said. I see his point. Setting up a GoFundMe account or something is unappealing. When we had the bicycle stolen from our shop, the thing that helped was just to see the community come out and offer their support. One bad individual can hit you with a sucker punch, but it's amazing the restorative power of hearing people say, we like you and we like what you're doing. It's important to remember there are hundreds of positive people for every negative one, and it's great to take the opportunity to stop and recognize that. Chris doesn't want any handouts, but give his Facebook group a like, check out his event and webpage, share this story, send Chris a message, and if you're ever in Bruce, Wisconsin, ask him to show you around on a bicycle tour. The bicycling community is a family. We need to stick together. Also, keep your eyes open for a salsa bucksaw. Who knows? This story might yet have a happy ending. Now, our last story of this episode is from our editor-in-chief, Greg Heil. And Greg was out at Vale's Outlier Festival last weekend. And this is the first year for this event, which the organizers are hoping will one day be one of the largest bike festivals in North America. This year, brands like Yeti were on board, and Greg was up there to check out what they had on offer. So this is Greg's review of Yeti's brand new SB 4.5C. Ever since I first heard of the new Yeti SB4.5C back in August, I was eager to swing a leg over this new rig and take it for a rip. I had long counted the SB95 as one of the best bikes I've ever ridden, so I was interested to see how the 4.5C would compare. Ultimately, comparing these two bikes is an exercise in futility. The SB4.5C is all new, and I found it to ride very differently. The SB4.5C is built using Yeti's relatively new Switch Infinity suspension design. With all of the new Switch Infinity bikes, that they've rolled out this year. Don't expect this suspension design to go anywhere anytime soon. While I haven't personally been able to test out its long-term durability, based on conversations with people who have, there have been little to no long-term durability issues with the linkage, so let that put your mind at ease. With four and a half inches of travel in the rear, the 4.5C is located firmly in the cross-country and light trail category. Total frame weight is 5.4 pounds for the carbon frame set, and it runs 29-inch wheels. A frame only will cost $3,400 while an X01 build will weigh in at 25.9 pounds and cost $6,899. An XCR build will cost $10,499. The bike I tested was mostly, but not exactly, the X01 build. My test rig was sporting a SRAM X01 drivetrain with a race face crank and chain ring. DT Swiss 350 wheels set up boost, Maxxis Ardent 2.4 tire up front, and a Maxxis Icon 2.2 tire in the rear. There is a SRAM reverb dropper post and Shimano XT brakes. According to the Yeti website, the stock X01 build will come with SRAM Guide RSC brakes. My tester was sporting the stock Fox 34 fork, which interestingly boasts 140 millimeters of travel. We've seen quite a few bikes with front and rear travel disparity over the last couple of years, but generally it's only 5 to 10 millimeters. With 114 millimeters of rear travel and 140 millimeters of front, that's a pretty significant 26 millimeters of difference. But how did the bike feel when the rubber hit the trail? 
That's the important part. I tested the SB4.5C at the new Vail Outlier Festival. Now testing a cross country slash trail bike at a ski resort isn't the most ideal situation. So I intentionally skipped the bike park, downhill only trails, and rode the two way single track on the mountain. The test trail I rode was much more like a classic single track that you'd find anywhere in the mountains, not just at a ski resort. Still, I did take the chairlift to the top of the mountain. There were a few short pedally sections in this two way traffic trail as I went down the mountain but the climbing was minimal. Despite relatively minimal access to climbing, I could tell that the SB4.5C had no qualms about going fast when the legs start spinning. At less than 26 pounds, this rig is light, and the suspension worked as advertised, delivering maximum power and control to the trail. I could easily see racing cross-country or endurance events aboard this bike, but ultimately, most of my time riding the SB4.5C was spent riding downhill, and with only 114 millimeters of rear travel, the bike was astonishingly capable. I rode every that you could expect from a classic backcountry descent. Tight switchbacks, high-speed descents, fast corners, roots, rock gardens, whoops, jumps, loose dirt, loam. All things considered, this was an extremely varied test track. The SB4.5 tracked splendidly through rock gardens, turns, and roots. However, the stock 2.2-inch icon in the rear just couldn't maintain traction in the looser conditions and more aggressive corners. I slid out the rear wheel a number of times, but a quick foot plant saved the day. If it was my rig, I'd bump up the traction on the the rear end with an Ardent. If you want to go really aggressive, you could swap the Ardent from the front to the rear and put a high roller too up front. While the bike performed admirably through the tech, it was very uncomfortable at high speeds with water bars and small rock sections. While the head tube angle isn't unduly steep at 67.4 degrees, I found the SB4.5C to be nervous and skittery at high speeds. I put some of this handling down to the tire choice, but the rest is the bike. Also, I bottomed out the rear end multiple times on very small hits at medium to high speeds. With 114 millimeters of travel, perhaps this is to be expected, but I didn't experience any harsh bottom-out effects on a similarly specced bike, the Pivot Mach 4. When referencing the bottom-out effect of the rear end versus the confidence of the fork, I'd hazard to say that the suspension did feel a bit unbalanced when descending at high speeds. However, at more moderate speeds, the front and rear of the bike jived well. Bottom line, I heard a few attendees at Vail Outlier dub the SB4.5C as a do-it-all bike. I disagree strongly with that statement. Rather, I'd peg the SB4.5C as a capable go-fast cross-country bike with the chops to take on some aggressive big mountain descents in the backcountry. However, don't plan to race this in an enduro, and don't plan to tackle any serious downhills at any speed aboard this bike. The reality is, Yeti has fantastic bikes for a bit more aggressive riding with still great pedaling geometry, like the SB5C, and even full-blown enduro shredding, the SB6C. If those use cases are what you're aiming for, stick to those bikes. But if you like to drop the hammer when you climb, you pedal at top speed at all times, but you don't want to be scared to death on the descents, then the SB4.5C is for you. That's it for today. Check back tomorrow for seven life lessons from mountain biking pain.